Welcome to the RGG EDU podcast, where they talk a little photography and drink a lot of whiskey. Season three of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Smug Mug. Yeah, they got a ridiculous grin and the name is funny, but Smug Mug is serious about photography. If you're ready to upgrade your photo game online, get your ass over to SmugMug.com to see where the pros are storing, showing, and selling their images. In this episode, we're joined by Christina Schur. They say it right? Oh, great. Nice. Practice I'm, I'm makes one. perfect. I got one correct so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And Rob Graham and our favorite Smurf. Renee Robin. <laughs> <laughs> the favorite Smurf. You have another Smurf? We have lots. Yeah. Well, there's like a whole army of them. Aww. You're just our favorite. Okay. Well, I'll take favorite. I thought I was the only, but I'll take favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, thank you for joining us. I know you have a busy week of teaching and networking, so thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So explain what type of photographer are you? Like, how would you describe your work? What do you do? So I... I'm more so known, you know, for the retouching stuff that I do. And, um, and then I also do photography as well. Um, and so I kind of got my start. Um, I do a lot of headshots nowadays, just because there's, you know, there's always need for headshots. And it seems like everybody nowadays is needing a public presence and, you know, needing a, a good professional shot, especially with, you know, how prevalent LinkedIn is and living in Washington, D.C. as well. Like, there's just a lot of people that need, you know, quality It sounds like you, you're in, like, the capital of headshots, basically. Yeah, doing headshots. Yeah, so every, <laughs> do you do a lot of politicians, a lot of people in politics? You know, they have staff photographers for, oh. yeah, that are, like, hired by the government. But, I, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if, like, with this new administration, if they were like, well, yeah, we're going to have a retoucher on on, on staff. staff. <laughs> I was, like, yeah. kind of hoping for that. Back of my head. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, blank check to write. But, no. Alas. No. So what does your average week or month look like? What are you, what are you doing? Um, I'm doing probably it's it's fifty fifty now with um with some of the retouching clients that I have and um and then also doing the headshot photography and, and stuff like that. So what's nice about the retouching portion of my business is that there's the education, right? And then there's also the the actual clients that I deal with. But for the actual clients that I'm dealing with, like because retouching is such a like transient like career career you can do it from anywhere so like all my clients are in LA you know for the for the skin and beauty yeah. retouching which is what I'm kind of how, how do you for. get into retouching like what was your pathway there um I'm I'm mistakenly majored in Photoshop majored like, in it. majored in it. yeah so at, at, Elon, a major. at Elon University it was a digital art major okay. um I but I spent like four years learning um, learning Photoshop because the photography program at my school was actually um, film based, and I wanted to do digital. And Where's Elon? Elon's in North Carolina. Okay. And um, right between Burlington and Raleigh. Oh, right on. Or right. I'm, it's in Burlington between High Point and Raleigh. Anyway, my brain is fried. So <laughs> somewhere in North Carolina. These weeks take it out of you. You know. Yeah, they do. You know, you cram all this information into your brain that you need to be able to like re- re- reiterate and like just when you spit need out. it, it's gone. And then, yeah, I know, I know, it's it's rough. So you got a four year degree in Photoshop. 
Well, it was a digital art major technically, okay. but um, the really nice thing about any of the art degrees at at my school was that they gave very broad parameters for projects. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to kind of like create our own project within those parameters. As long as they met certain criteria, they didn't really care. So I learned a little bit of illustrator and that kind of thing. But the reason for majoring in digital art was because I needed to learn the, the software side of photography, which was totally like the draw, the ball was being dropped. I feel like in education in higher education yeah. today, with um, with photography in general. So compare and contrast learning Photoshop online versus going to a, a school for it. What what are the, the drawbacks and benefits of, of either one? One thing that I really loved being in a being in a physical community where we had digital labs was that time as a digital tech because I that was like one of my job jobs like I could get. Like, of course, it was like seven, $7 an hour or whatever they, they pay students, but it was like getting paid to, to do my homework. But as a digital, as a like junior or senior digital arts student, I was um, the, the digital tech that was in the lab. So if people had questions about Photoshop or how do I do this or why isn't this working, I could problem solve with them. And so I... I love that kind of aspect, and whenever I go to these sh these shows, I'm I hope to see that. I hope to see open labs, open workspace where where people can go and they can try and work and see if they run into problems because it's those problems that I feel like the people when you're working at home without a community, when you run into a problem like that, you don't know how to fix it. And you don't have those other people around you like, hey, this is happening to me. Like, how do I fix this? How do I move forward with, uh, you know, w with finding a solution for why my selection tool is giving me like that terrible like yeah, rah, yeah, rah, yeah. Rah, 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 every time you tap it. Or you don't have that peer group around you of students. Yeah. Do you need it is the big question with the amount of information that's online and the ability to reach out in social media and other different ways of communicating. Can you build those communities? Of course, I think you can, um, and you can definitely nowadays do this digitally mm -hmm. as long as everybody's there, like especially with, with the way Google Hangout is and everything like that with being able to share screens and everything. I think that that would be cool, but the problem is that when people are starting out, they don't have the vernacular. They don't have that vocabulary to be like, my, you know, my selection tool is blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're so rudimentary in their knowledge of the, of how Photoshop works and what certain terms are right. that like not having the vocabulary to explain the what the yeah. problem is. It's totally frustrating when you have a problem because you feel isolated, you know? So when you left school, what did you feel totally prepared? Uh, I know. <laughs> Where did you go after you left school? What was your first foray into the um, working market? I, I interned and I owe tons of my success to the person that I interned with. He was exactly where I needed to go. Um, and I attribute like a very large portion of my success by being, by being his post-production manager. And he, his name is John Harrington and he wrote the books and the subsequent additional additions to best business practices for photographers. 
So I lived through him writing that book. If you could go back and get um, a degree in business or art, what would you do? I have a, I have an assistant right now, and I said, I can teach you the, the photography business. I can teach you the retouching business. You go to business classes. So she's majoring in business. That's what that was. Yeah, straight out of the horse's mouth. Yeah, I, yeah. there's a there's always an argument online, and it's always a, you know elicits a ton of negative like comments and wars that an art degree to, in today's you know realm is a waste of time. What do you guys think of that? Coming from someone who, coming from someone who has a BFA. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's one of those things. I think I, I've said it many times. College was a way to grow up and kind of learn how to be on my own and, and to be in studio settings and to take criticisms and stuff like that. But um, I really learned my craft being an apprentice in the real world. So for me as a, as a commercial photographer, I did not need college. I did not need my BFA to become a commercial photographer. I, I needed that college experience as part of my life experience. Um, but uh, yeah, it, the business degree is far more important. And I, luckily, I spent a couple of years in business school first before switching to get my BFA. I have regrets I, on getting a business degree instead of going doing something artistic. I think that's a grass is greener on the other side yeah. kind of argument. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I think it could be easily fixed if the 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 art majors could incorporate business classes right? into their majors. Mm-hmm. Why is like this the not a thing? Degree. Mega long? degree, right? Yeah. I think it depends what you want to do like, as a creator i guess you know do you want to go into business for it or do you just want to become you know i think i think art school is really really good at preparing people to make commercially viable artwork it doesn't teach you how to sell it but it teaches you how to create you know with those rules and you know it it, a friend of mine did art school and he said it basically taught me how to be an artist like everyone else and in some ways that's great because it you can sell that you know, it's what, you know, graphic design companies are looking for. It's what ad agencies are looking for, right? But on the other hand, yeah, the, the business is, is still just as important as, as being, you know, commercially, being able to create yeah, commercially viable artwork. The thing that's weird about it, I, I think it's so critical for artists. I think the reason why so many artists are artists, they can't help it. They're mm-hmm. just driven by it. It's just something that you can't change about who you are. You just can't. It's like being know? ticklish. Right. Can't you, can't, you can't change it. Can't do it. It's just the way it is. Ticklish, Rob? <laughs> I might be a little bit ticklish. <laughs> so for people that want to be an assistant or an intern, um, I'm sure you get people applying. What advice do you have for people that want to intern or want to come work for you or a, a photographer? Um, that's a good question. I uh, I I would say if if you know if it's not gonna be for me for me or if I don't have a space you know, you absolutely have to keep keep going and keep looking for that opportunity with somebody else who's been in the business, who's working constantly in the business. There's so much life experience that's learned that way and that we're not, that we're obviously not preparing our professional art creators or our artistic content, content creators for in the real world. You know, they graduate and then it's like, okay, well, you're on your own. Like, how do I create a business? There needs to be entrepreneurship classes or, or something like that. And that's what you get that you see the entrepreneur in real life when you are working for somebody who's self-employed and does this day in and day out. And those are the things you learn from them. 
I don't know. I, I mean, I never went to art school. I never went to business school and I never apprenticed with anybody. I was never an intern ever. And, you know, um, I've often wondered. Yeah, you know, you're super girl. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all. I mean, I, I often wonder, like, Smurf you know, girl. would I, <laughs> you know, I'm, so many people, they live places where having an internship is impossible, you know? And so then how do you encourage some people who th- there is no, that is so loud. <laughs> how do you encourage? That was purposely. <laughs> you drink. That <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah, that sound is appealing. But like, the question is, you know, for people who have no opportunity for internships, right, and then maybe they don't have the money for school, then how do you empower these people to become, you know, successful? How can we get information to these people? How do we help them grow when the only option is themselves? And you're in yeah, that's connection. that's a difficult thing because I, I guess you know when you think about it, yeah, the normal path is to go to universities to study and then get an internship and kind of go out there. Um, if you do live in a remote area and you don't have access, how do you get to a university? You know, or if you how do you get to money? an internship? Yeah, if you don't have the cash, YouTube. Right. So there goes back to learning on the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, what about places like Brooks closing and the art schools closing? Is that a sign of the times or is that just a one-off? No, I think it's a sign of the times in many ways. I mean, again, like would I go back and and do the same thing? I don't know that I would go back and and get my degree the same way. So do you think universities are going to start folding, the big ones? No, no way. Because there's still so many other – because there's still so many other programs and they're growing in so many other ways. I mean, I look look at the two universities I went to. I went to University of Colorado Boulder, greatly expanded. I went to Syracuse University to their London program. Um, both those, I mean, those places are thriving. There's no way that they're ever in danger of shutting down ever. I mean, do you, you think DU is in danger of shutting down? I think some colleges at that level will, I think what will happen is programs will change. Like they're pro online. Yeah. I mean, have I don't you, know if it's all you, online, but have you seen Coursera, for example, is doing, has opened up all these university programs that are completely for free. And you can study on your own, and the only way you pay for it is if you want the actual piece of paper that is the degree. You know what? what? Wait, who's yeah. Coursera? Coursera. Coursera. Yeah, coursera. dot com. Completely just, free university free and college courses, and you only pay if you want the degree. It's amazing. It's really, really, really interesting. So I think in a lot of ways that if that you is want going the degrees. to is it is it a certified degree? Yeah, yeah, it's a certified degree. It is the university program. And you're only paying if you want that piece of paper. So, like, I've got a ton of friends that have done, like, the graphic design program or the accounting program or the business programs. And is that only, a Canadian thing? You have to be Canadian? It's all over the world. It's all over it's, the world. It's on the internet. It's yeah. And so I wonder if that's where the universities are going to start going. But, I mean, like, this Harvard program is a disruptor. Right? That's a huge disruptor. That's massive. And so, you know, is that where a a lot of these things are going to go is, you know, you're only going to pay if you want the piece of paper. So, like, you know. But nobody asks for that piece of paper. Do you even know where yours is? I have no idea where my diploma is. Yeah, mine's, I framed mine. It's in storage, though. My my wife doesn't want it on the wall. She's like, this doesn't go with anything. Okay, so pulling this this back to retouching. (laughs) Um, We told you this tangent. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. We go where we go. I I blacked out what happened. (laughs) (laughs) We completely got off track again, Gary. Talking about framing diplomas. I, I I hear a lot of, like as a retoucher, as a professional retoucher, I hear horror stories from from companies who hired photographers who didn't know what that f they were doing and there was one specific oppor- 
there's a specific client that called me and said, we paid so much money to have Laura Bush come and do meet and greets with all of our big donors. And the photographer didn't know what he was doing, didn't know how to use his flash. And so it, it's just, it's black, everybody wearing black suits on black uh, velvet pipe and drape, and they all look like floating heads. Can you fix the photos? And it's like hearing horror stories like that and hearing horror stories from brides emailing me because of the because of the retouching business, it, I just keep coming back to this. There has to be some kind of certification program for photographers yeah. that teaches them something. And I don't know if it's a free program or if it is something that, pay, that gets paid. But why can't like the ASMP, the APA, all of those organizations get together and create some sort of test or curriculum? Because, you know, those agencies, those organizations are dying. Those are absolutely Those are the ones that are, that are suffering because people aren't entering the world of professional photographers in the traditional ways. They don't know about those groups and they don't want to pay those groups. Even mm-hmm. the 200, 150 student level, whatever level it is, they yeah. don't want to pay that money. Because uh, they, they run as nonprofits and when you run it that way. <clears throat> yeah, but it's also I think I, I think that people just don't know about it. People coming into the business these days don't want to participate. Yep. They just, I, it's I never been part of their framework. Yeah. Right? Like PPOC, which is the Professional Photographers of Canada, have been chasing me for like seven years. And I've never been a part of it because I've never seen a benefit. Like, why would I give you four hundred dollars a year no, when I can go when I can go to WPPI and I can go to PPE and I can meet all these people who are going to help you know raise my level and then I'm going to have better work and therefore I'm going to get better clients. What benefit is this organization going to do to me? And that's one thing that yeah. I, I know I'm not the only one. That like that's. One of the reasons why membership is just like dropping like flies. So other than floating heads on a black background, what what are the mistakes that you're having to come in and fix that photographers are making today? Oh, man. Is a list too long? Oh, God. Give us your worst <laughs> yeah, three. Let's hear your it. worst oh, three. Man. Okay. Let's teach some people some stuff. Where's the wine? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, okay, no names will be mentioned in this. That's fine. Uh, I had an email once from a wedding photographer who had she was standing at the back of the wedding the procession recessional mm-hmm. aisle for the big kiss and right right before the big kiss the officiant steps in between her and the bride and groom couple and says i now pronounce you husband and wife and her her camera auto focused on the priest and then he stepped out of the frame and so all of the first kiss images that she has from the wedding are all soft and out of focus and like totally front, like front focused. I took, I think eight images to recreate like of the bride and groom, like eight different images of different lighting scenarios. You, so you were taking outside. Oh, you, 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 you recreated, I recreated the first kiss photo from oh, man. eight different images, different color balances, different, Lighting scenarios, and I was just like, what? That sounds like a nightmare. How much did that cost a wedding photographer for that? I probably charged her way too little. She paid it. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, that's... How many hours did that take? Oh, yeah. That that was a, I got to prove to myself that I can do this, you know, that kind of project. (laughs) And it was fun to take on. But I'll never do that again. I feel like okay. that, that photo. Why would you recreate that photo? Because like you're gonna look at it and be like, "That's not real. That <laughs> didn't happen." So did she tell the bride and groom? I don't know. I mean, that's can, a good question. Yeah, that's, 
Oh, I'm wait, sitting, wait. Uh, the bride and groom didn't hire you to do that. No, this was the wedding the photographer. photographer. I, I'm well, sitting how here does, The bride and groom had to have known, though, right? Because you had them recreate it. Don't know. No, no. I took other photos from that day oh, of, of the them. couple. Oh, of my the, God. Yeah, now you get it. it was, <laughs> think about that. Now I'm bad. Now I'm here. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. Wow. It wasn't like a go recreate that stand in that yeah, position yeah. and the lights perfect and everything. It was yeah. See to me that I think that's crazy because if I'm the photographer, I'm going to go to the bride and groom and tell them what happened. Because you're like I, I, I was well, yeah honest but, Abe. Oh, man, that's 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 a crazy one. That that whole thought process just makes me super sad, Panda. <laughs> but that's what's happening in, that's what's happening out there yeah that's what's happening out there what would you do renee would you that's a lack of experience there, or would you have gone to total lack of experience client client and told them told them well i mean it's hard to, it's really hard to say i mean i've never been in that situation before um <clears throat> i have done in some scenarios where an image, for some reason, like my lens back focused or something like that. And I was like, oh, high contrast, black and white, add noise. It's a smart photo now. Artistic preference. Yeah, that works for boudoir, right? Yeah. And for like, you know, storytelling series of images, you can have one that's kind of wonky and oh, you just totally. like build it into the story. But for an image like that, um, I probably would do something similar. I'd go in and like frequency separate and just start drawing the lines sharper. I've done that before too. You just separate the texture and the color and just start painting and stamping and yeah that would take forever this is exactly why i'm not a retoucher yeah so i don't retouch I other just, people's photos i don't know how you do it and i'd be drinking i'm gonna bang my head against the wall just thinking about what you guys go through i'm totally okay with fixing my own mistakes but if i see like i i don't know how retouchers do it people who, i don't know how you guys do i just it. did a class on the top 10 mistakes beginner photographers make and how to fix them in photoshop for when you've already created the problem and it's that oh crap moment. And then also how to fix it in camera the next time so you don't have to do this Yeah, that's again. valuable information. What yeah. are some of those mistakes? Um, I, uh, one of them is on noisy images. One, one, of, the, one of the lessons is um, create um, like color balancing your flash and tungsten. That's something that beginner photographers may not realize that you need to make sure that the output color temperature of your flash matches the ambient in the room. Um, the new shake reduction technology that they have in, in Photoshop now has saved my butt a couple of times. I'll tell What's you shake much. reduction? I was yeah, going to say, I, I didn't even, even, I even know thing. that. What, what oh, is shake awesome. reduction? When did that come out? What version is that? CC? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I was going to say BS because I haven't seen it. and I, I Maybe it's in there. It's, it, oh, it's in there. Are you kidding? Photoshop is so deep. There, there could be a thousand uh, things. You it's in the reduction. Is it in no. the filters? Yeah. There, really? It's in filter, sharpen, shake reduction. And um, I'm opening and Photoshop as soon as it's done. I'm taking a look. When you open it, when you open an image that's like a little bit softer, that it has a little bit of motion blur in it, it the, the algorithm goes through and looks for the directional movement of the pixels because of the similar colors. Would you find that, I mean, you shoot underwater. Is that handy underwater? I've never used it on underwater images, but mm. that's a good question. That seems like that would be super handy for anyone who shoots underwater. Yeah. Mm. Is your underwater work personal work? Yeah. This... Yeah. What, what draws you to shoot underwater? I don't get paid to shoot mermaids. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> what, draw, what draws you or what interests you about shooting underwater? And what are some of the challenges that... I actually got into it all, like, just being in front of, you know, being in front of the... The camera. I, I was a water baby, so I've known to swim 
from before I could walk. And so being in the water, I'm very comfortable. And people always said I had the gift of sink, which meant that, like, for some reason, my specific body anatomy, like, just <laughs> decides to sink to the bottom of the ocean instead of, like, float. That's so, not a good thing, right? Well, yeah. It is, it if you don't if know you, how to swim, it's a bad thing, yeah. right? Well, if you're trying to take pictures, it's a good thing. Because if you're I, I the one like holding the camera, camera be, you know? not if you're trying to stay down there. Yeah, if you're if trying you, to shoot yeah. underwater, I'm a f- I float. So trying to shoot underwater is a pain in the ass. Just eat more snickerdoodles and you'll sink right to the bottom. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I just put 10 pounds of lead on me to sink. That's how much I float. And so people who have the gift of sink. The gift of sink. Really? So some people sink, some people float. Yeah. And depending on how much salt is in the water that you're into, the more salt in the water, the the more more buoyant you are. Um, So, yeah. So I just started doing modeling, you know, with the mermaid tails and everything like that, which is crazy. And then... Um, Any merman? Yeah, there are plenty of mermaids. Wait, hang on, back up. So you got cast as a mermaid because you could, you had the, the ability to, to sink. Yeah, and and I just had a relationship with the photographer. Yeah, it's really funny to me. I don't know who of you in the room can sink real good. Yeah, <laughs> raises hand. Personal experience. Yeah. I know. This. Oh god, funny. Yeah, um, and then actually, I was on Hasselblad's website on the top of their website for like all 2011 to 2012 because they took. Um, the photographer that I work really closely with and know really well is out of Virginia Beach. He's an underwater mermaid photographer. His name is Chris Crumley. He's a, an astounding photographer. I, I love his work. And um, Hasselblad reached out. Hasselblad UK reached out to him and said, "You know, we have this um, H4D 60 megapixel back, and uh, you know, we want to we want you to test it out, and we want to do like an underwater shoot." And I'm watching this 60 megapixel. The camera, I don't even know how much it is. Like, they're submerging it in the water. And I swear, if I had cojones, like, mm-hmm. they would have been up in my throat, like, watching yeah. this whole thing, like, go <laughs> under. Because it's still a prototype. You know what I mean? Right. Guy had to sign NDAs. I wasn't. And anyway, I was like, I will I will be the model under one condition that I get to, to put Hasselblad as one of my retouching clients on my there website. <laughs> when I was starting out, and I was like, all right, I'm getting something for this. <laughs> right. So, what's going on with Hasselblad? They were. They were officially purchased by DJI, right? Um, it's not an official purchase. They acquired, DJI the, acquired the majority. Yeah. All right. So, do you think I want to keep loving Hasselblad? Like, mad respect for everything they've done. But I, they're are, are they innovating? What I think they are. I've been talking with them. Um, they've hired a couple people back. They're definitely um, they're excited about what's going on. They think that some really good stuff is coming down the road. So, um, I mean, DJI has got. Have you gotten to use that? The, they do have a new mirrorless, right? The yeah, I haven't just, gotten to use it yet. I'm working cool. on that. I, I feel I like get that there's the, no buzz behind that. Like, you know what I mean? I like, want to get it for the the beverage tutorial because mm. I think mm. it'd be cool to shoot with that. Would be. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm working on it. So do you think they're going to be around in five, ten years with everything Sony is doing? Uh, yeah, I do. I think I, I think that DJI has got enough money where they can they can put a lot behind the brand. And DJI is so innovative with the products that yeah. they that they are creating. I think that they can take a lot of the technology inside of Hasi and, and stuff it inside of their, their products. So That's yeah, it's really think, exciting to I see what they, can, they could yeah. do with that. Yeah. 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 Can you yeah. imagine what the Inspire is going to look like with a little bit of Hasselblad oh, technology God. in it? <laughs> 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 it's so <really> exciting. <laughs> <laughs> she happy, turned blue. Is that right? <laughs> blue. Happy blue panda thing again? Oh, so much happy panda. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christina, out of the files that you're getting, from your clients, do you notice a big difference versus like a, a Sony file versus a Hasselblad file? Do, does, do you have a, a favorite file to work on? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't really. I uh, 
but you know, it is true that every file is different. You know, they're coming in with different quirks and stuff like that. So you, it makes sense for the for the retoucher that you hire to to have experience working with specific files um, that way. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty general. Um, yeah. I assume you do a lot of raw processing for the photographers you work with, or not? Um. Because it's pretty important for you to have the raws to begin with in order to yeah, but get the best out of it. The problem is that every single client is different. And every single client, some some clients allow me to do more work on the images. Some clients, their advertising firms are like, nope, we're doing this, this, and this. You can you can get a TIFF or, you know, we'll send you a PSD or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes inside of ad agencies because they have their own production department, so... Um, yeah, I've, I've dealt with that a lot in my work where the agency just, they'll ask me to bid on doing the, the retouching in my studio, but then they want the files themselves to do it. So, yeah. um, that's a hassle. How do you I, feel about that? Well, it, it depends with, with clients that I have a good longstanding relationship with, I'm actually pretty fine with it. Um, there are several ad agencies that I've been working with for a long, long time where I really understand them and their processes and how they work and they, and they, they have trusted me. So um, while I'd like to have, you know, the, the ultimate control and, you know, the, the, the money from it, um, I certainly understand it's a business model. Um, I'm not, sh- I'm not shooting stuff that they are so drastically changing in post-production. It's mainly assembly and fixing cause it's mm-hmm. food and booze. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like my creative vision is being stepped on. Cause for me, I'm one of the photographers who actually does most of his creative vision inside of the camera and, and on set rather than in post-production. So to me, it's not it's not a huge problem because I don't see this shift in my vision. It's just I see the final assembly and some tweaking and cleanup, and so that's okay. Um, I think if I was a different type of photographer where somebody was taking over the vision of of what the end result of my photography was going to be, I think I'd have a real problem with it. And then who owns creative license to that? You know, it's like I if I'm do. going in, I yeah, I but if I'm going in and this wasn't for oh right a, a, a an ad campaign or anything like that, but I I did a shoot once with a with a photographer and I I recreated all of the skin tone to look gold mm-hmm. and I added a reflection on the top of the water as well. I mean I did ninety percent of the work. He submitted the image, got got awards for it, won things for it, and you got nothing. And not yeah, even a byline. Actually, this is a really good question, um, and that that kind of harkens back to a lot of the the way ad agencies are like it's always driven me crazy i'm not award crazy i don't need to have a bunch of awards but ad agencies whenever they submit to the addies or whatever award they will list everybody the creative director the copywriter the trafficker the the production manager they won't list the photographer the guy who or a gal who created the image isn't even on there but you know account services is on there <laughs> Craft yeah. services. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like madness. This guy brought me a beer. Yeah, this guy brought me a beer. He has a, or he brought me a sandwich and he has a byline. I don't. So that's an interesting conundrum. As a, as a retoucher, when you are really furthering the vision, if not taking it over in many ways, who should have the copyright? Should it be co-copyrighted? Oh, well. That's so a big, that's a loaded question. This is how I'll answer that, though. Like, I, when I am working with a client, I have a waiver that they sign and it says if there is credit, if it, if they are going to give credit to the photographer anywhere where this is published, I will also get a byline with the photographer as well. So if they're going to add credit, I, I will be, you know, 
You should make it say your name comes first. <laughs> All right. Give me another five years. Another clause. <laughs> I've always wanted to see, you know, with, with photography competitions that are going on, uh, I've always wanted to see, you know, you see these incredible fashion images and so on and so forth. And I've always wanted to have part of the competition. If you're using a retoucher other than yourself, I've always wanted to have that before and after being part of that competition because I have seen photos that were awful, 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 awful. Because, I mean, I've got friends that are really high-end retouchers and they, they will send me images that won awards that they're not getting the same thing. They're not getting credit for. But they made that photo completely award-winning and the image that was shot before that is not award-winning at all it was completely changed in post-production well where do we draw that line and so wppi is doing that nowadays um with some of with a few of their sub with their image submit submission i don't know what is it called print print comp <laughs> <laughs> brain is so fried what did you do last night? Yeah. <laughs> what did i do an hour ago I know. <laughs> um but uh, they're asking, they're requesting. Yeah, because I, I mean, I know with the, the North American Hair Awards, I used to shoot a lot of hair competition stuff. And for a long time, they didn't require the before and afters. But it was the retouchers were making the hair that was really bad look amazing. Yeah, and they there's were winning a lot. ton of yeah. awards. And so they've started making the requirements be that you send in the before retouch and then after retouch. Perfect. I don't know if that's still going because I haven't been involved. But I mean, I really want to see that with a lot of these photography competitions. It's like if you're... If, if this is a quote-unquote photography competition, this is a retouching competition. You know, it, like, retouching is great, and it should amplify the image, but it sh I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think on that? You know? Oh, I'm pondering it. It's it's an interesting thought. I, from a, a photographer's point of view, you definitely want to put out the best you can. Um, there are also situations, though, where people intentionally shoot flat. They, they want a fairly grayscaled-out image because they know that they're going to push it in post-production. So that's part of it. Um, from a retoucher's point of view, I mean, retouchers are always wanting to show the ability of what they do. That's every, why every retoucher has a slider going across, like original, mm -hmm. you know, my work. Um, so retouchers are definitely wanting to show just how much they can enhance and improve an image. But then how does that come into play with photography competitions, that's, right? That, that's, so like fashion, um, that's fashion photography and beauty work. Thing. Beauty right. work has, a, you know, typically a very specific look. And it's a, it's, it's very retouched and usually retouched really well, the images that win. Um, but then if, you, if you're looking at some of these images, like some of them, they're not even shot on a proper white balance. You know, they're shot super blue. And then the final image is, you know, this golden red, you know, it was the, it's bad. It's bad work. But then you've got a retoucher coming bad in retoucher. saving the day. You've got to know. <laughs> oh, the, bad photographer. But then the retoucher's coming in saving the day and this image is winning. You know, whether, you know, but, and it's not like the person, them, it's not the photographer themselves. And so it's like this, I'm always having this conversation with myself of like, where's that line? And I, I think, think it's, why it's so complicated. I think the onus is on the people that put on those competitions. They're the ones saying it's the photography competition. Then, the, then it's the photographer that's supposed to win. I think if they start doing more retouching competitions and we can kind of reset this this standard i would love to see retouching competitions mm. that would be so yeah, awesome it sounds like there's a market mm -hmm. for it let's, oh yeah oh, good. let's start the international recon retouching competition awards yeah. or something be so good i would love can i please judge i'll judge you on y'all you can be on the judging panel for sure you All can right, head judgy, up the show back to i want to go back to beauty retouching because that's very kind of specific right when you when you see say beauty there's kind of like one way to push it, and it's like a lot of people. I had you know one person I don't remember who described it as like 
the ultimate, like how far you can push skin and hair and like get creative with, that's completely unrealistic. I think Pratik was describing it that yeah. way. Is that damaging to society? Oh, Making, boy. Yeah. Love it. Loaded that's a big question. loaded question. Well, I mean, we've always been doing that as a human species since the beginning of time. I mean, you see paintings, you see sculptures, everything is perfected because we chase perfection. Um, you know, so. You thinking Michelangelo was, uh, you know. That model wasn't that chiseled. Nip tuck. I I honestly think that education is the best defense on that. I mean, I I don't see anything wrong with making a stylized, you know, commercial advertising product. I mean, we have videos of huge trucks driving down fictional mountains that is completely untrue, but it's there to sell a product. And so when you're shooting stuff for makeup and quote unquote beauty, okay, you're there to sell a product. You're, but you know, when it comes to, say, for example, Airy, I think is the, the lingerie company that's doing no retouching at all, then that's lifestyle. And I don't think lifestyle should be very retouched because that is supposed to represent real life. And if that's a and if that's a creative choice in their advertising exactly. campaign and the way that they and the avenue that they want to pursue, then that's perfectly fine. But there are a lot of companies that that a a model in a photograph, their sole purpose is to sell the product, like you were saying. And the role of retouching, whether you think that this is good or whether you think that this is bad, is to make that model look as nondescript as possible so that the it, so that basically the advertisement comes becomes less about the model, less about the the woman holding the purse and more about the purse or the woman wearing the lipstick and less and and more about the actual lipstick. So you got to think of a the way that they're thinking of um, advertising images, beauty, that kind of thing um, is is that they're trying to sell a product at the end of the day. And and that's the knowledge base that you have to have when you're looking at the manipulation that's done to these women or these men. And I agree, education is the way to go, and that's why. I, Every single image on my website, you roll on and off, and you can see the before and after. I think that's the kind of stuff that needs to be in schools. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, I lucked out hugely getting into modeling at 13 because I saw behind the scenes, like, right away. I never had that, that, like, you know, oh, my God, these women look so perfect. I'd go to a shoot, and I'd be like, they look nerdy kids like me, and all of a sudden they look 25 after some hair and makeup and some yeah. good lighting. But my classmates never got that experience, and so you're dealing with all these, like, crazy insecurities and you know, unrealistic beauty expectations that I didn't understand was a problem until I was way older. I Any opportunity I get to Skype into a class on women's issues, like in a high school. Oh, you can do that? Yeah. What? Yeah. And then I show them the That's before awesome. and afters and I talk to them about like what's actually being done and, and that kind of thing. And I think I, I heard somewhere years ago that Britney Spears actually had a retouched and unretouched image in schools of herself. That's so awesome. Yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. such a good idea. That's such a good that, idea. That totally, you should pitch that to an ad campaign and basically say, we want to go around in schools and put these images up in schools. I've Where seen some see? recent before and afters of Britney. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the before and Not afters good. of Madonna? Oh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> oh. To be fair, I'd kill to have her body at her age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah, she's just <laughs> you know. And to, also, to be fair, we, we're talking about how this is kind of false reality. I, I do the same thing with food and booze all the time. Oh yeah, I make food look way better than it really is. You can't make 
fucking liar. Right? The food necessarily look as good at home as I can do. What do you? What are, don't they use like They're Elmer's liar. glue instead of milk? Do, are, is Rob, no, is no, Rob Graham perpetuating the problems in society? Are we all perpetuating? Problems? I don't know. Or am I making it look better? Because yes, I, you know, shooting cereal, you cannot pour milk into it for a couple reasons. One, your cereal is just going to go everywhere. You're not going to like the cereal isn't going to look very good. It's going to get soggy really fast. It's going to look terrible. So, like a proper bowl of cereal on set. Food styles would take the bowl, fill it with instant mashed potatoes, and then place all of the flakes of cereal <laughs> in there. Yeah. That's and amazing. Then, and we get the bad rap for retouching all, women. When all the cereal is in place. I don't know any cereal that has the, a bad ego, though. The fruit <laughs> is added, and then axle cream or mm. uh, wild root is poured in because it, it's greasy. It won't. It's oily. It won't absorb into the cereal. The hell's wild the root? You, come on, you've seen the studio. I got all those bottles of Wild Root. It's I don't know what Wild Root is. I've never seen it? you shoot cereal. Well, it's, it's not a, something we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, maybe we should do it. Uh, it's an old, old hair tonic. It's really hard to find. It smells really kind of rank. Um, but dudes used to put it in their hair, and every once in a while, you can find it on the bottom shelf, way in the back in some Walgreens. When I do, I grab five bottles because it's really hard to find, and it makes the perfect cereal milk. <laughs> That's freaking crazy. That's like just, <laughs> I just your brain a little I? bit. Yeah, I'm kind of like what? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. But but yet you think about like what photo manipulators are up against when they're retouching women, and like this, it would be as if you were getting sued because somebody somebody took wild root and poured it in their cereal right. and then ate it, right. and then you know. Got well, sick. Why did it make me sick? Why this is a frequent... Well, there, it was in the photograph, you know. What is a frequent topic of discussion with a lot of my clients is the fact that um, we do make things look way better than the consumer can have at home. And they'll be like, wait a minute, I made this dish and it doesn't look anything like what yeah. you promised me it was going to look like. They've had agencies had, and brands have had customers push back on that. It's okay. like fast food. Like no burger you get from Hardee's is going to look that way. Okay, and this right. takes me back to my food conspiracy theory. But it's oh, like, let's hear it. Oh, dish. let's hear it. Yeah, oh, dish it out. I'm dish it out. I want to hear your your conspiracy theory. For Why sure. do you care what it looks like? Have you been but, to the Chinese restaurant that took I mean, photos of their food well, with only Mark, flash? No, it does not look edible. <laughs> I just well, we eat I, with our eyes. I mean, that's the that's the first the first thing you you do. You, and we eat you three times it. a day. You know, so we make that decision to spend money. Yeah. In a lot of different areas. Does I just it make feel you like crazy? It, it does make me crazy, crazy because I feel like the priority when you are putting something in your mouth and it's going to be a fuel <laughs> for you, yeah. you should care less about what it looks like and more about what are the actual ingredients in it. To be fair, there's a lot. Of, uh, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> something about putting in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things that before it goes in my face, I definitely wonder what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. <wow. laughs> Oh, we just took a dark turn. Yeah, wow. wow. You, are t you are very much so in thinking about something maybe I'm not. <laughs> maybe. We're dirty-minded people, though. So. This is true. But, I mean, you know, the looks do matter. I mean, looks matter to us on everything. I mean, that's why dating is what it is. That's why we spend so much money on freaking cosmetics and high heels and hair gel that tastes and smells horrible. <laughs> that's why certain chefs are so well-known. Because, yeah, because they prepare a meal that not only tastes great, it, it's amazing. Exactly. So, I mean... It, as much as we want to say, like, looks don't matter, food should just be food, you know, we're wired for what looks good. We kind of suck that way. Yeah, that sucks. So maybe <laughs> that's what my point, my overall point was. Like, I don't want 
things in my food that are a, a dough conditioner that are also in yoga mats in the soles of shoes <laughs> just because yeah, it's going to make the bubbles in my bread look yeah, uniformed I, I in agree size. With you there. Yeah. That's what, what, where I'm coming from with that the frustration. Makes total sense. It's, it's yeah. kind of scary. I always hear how Europe has these crazy regulations that we don't have. It's like, come on. Like, what is up with that? The food what in is North up America? with that? No, we, yeah. we, we value business over people. I know. Let's lobbying as, more organic stuff. Now really being shown by our current administration and getting rid of things like, oh, the EPA. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> not, you know? let's not make it political, Rob. <laughs> Come on. Back away slowly. Back oh, away I can so slowly. go political so fast. Oh, slowly, so scary, it's slowly exhausting living in D.C. with all of this yeah, going it, on. Yeah. Is it crazy there right now? What's the yeah. environment like in D.C.? Everybody's like, how did this happen? We're still walking around in a dreamland. Yeah. Like everybody in D.C. Everyone in the world is looking at that going like, what just happened? If you're outside <laughs> of the United States, we apologize. Yeah. We're not, we're not, if you're we're inside the United States, we, we apologize. apologize. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine who's American told me after the election, and I'm, I'm going to back away slowly after this, um, he said, I now understand how the rest of the world has felt about America for the last 20 years because I now feel that way about my own country. And I was like, we don't hate you like that. <laughs> We've never hated you like this. <laughs> it's, it's just uh... scary. Yeah, yeah. You guys in Canada are sitting pretty now with that Trudeau. Trudeau sitting very pretty. Yeah, Yeah. very sexy. Renee got like eighteen marriage proposals after Trump won. I did the first three hours. I had eighteen marriage proposals. I was like, hundred grand. (laughs) Hundred. Hundred. Nobody paid up. Nobody paid up yet. Uh, To be honest, though, somebody offered me a hundred grand. I'd be like five hundred. Because if they got a hundred, they got five hundred. Yeah, you you just really don't want to get married. That's yeah. kind of what that boils down to. Didn't they uh, crash? Didn't we crash the... All over the world. The EU and UK and Canadian, I think Australian immigration sites all yeah. crashed. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done. There's a lot of you. <laughs> I, I'm married uh-huh. to a South African, so we got her out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That could help. Yeah. Rob, going to go to South Africa? No. I'll head to England. Deborah was born in England. So she we'll just invited there. us to come down to South Africa. Come on. Not to live. She's talking about her out. But no. Yeah, we'll go down yeah. to South yeah. Africa to visit. Are you kidding? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always wanted to go. What do you yeah, love about too. South Africa? Oh, the man. What? I love it. The man. The man. Yeah, those accents. Yeah, they're killer. Um, it is such an exceptionally beautiful country with like with every type of terrain that you could ever think of in one country, like deserts, beach. You know, mountain, huge mountains, like they've got it all. And then, and then Cape Town looks like the Mediterranean as well. And right now, I don't know, I feel like I'm like a walking billboard for South That's Africa, cool. but the, the Rand, because the dollar is so strong right now against the Rand, it's like 15 Rand to the dollar. So like you get there and you, you well, for a U.S. dollar, it's, you're living like a king. Yeah, a ton of money. And it's, um, it's pretty cheap, relatively cheap. But once you, once you get there. It's not very expensive. Can you do a pretty good South African accent? Oh, man. Can we finish out the podcast in South African? South no. Africa? It's, uh, <laughs> no. It's pretty bad. We're working on it? Yeah. Yeah. I got a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob and I are kind of obsessed with making each other look stupid with accents. We so love always, to do it. Yeah, we love to it. You could live in South Africa, though, with your business. You could pretty much work remotely anywhere. Yeah, that's the final plan. Is hopefully working on the med, like working in Cape Town and making a U.S. salary. You know, oh, U.S. Cool. clients. Do you think you're going to go more towards um, 
becoming a bigger photographer or bigger retoucher? Do you, do you have a a goal to become one or the other? Or are you always going to enjoy It's both? so tough. It's so tough because, like, it always comes down to passion and then paycheck. But, right? So, like, even though I'm making most of the money doing the photography, it's the retouching and that that's going to give me the freedom to to live the life that that I really want to live and where. Do you still enjoy retouching? I know obviously you're really enjoying being behind the camera. You're still enjoying the process of retouching. I do. Um, when, when I get around to it, it feels that, that as my businesses scale, I'm doing more of like standing in the middle of a, um, a busy intersection directing traffic, mm-hmm. you know, and like it comes in on email and I'm sending this to this person and that to that person. I just feel like very much like, uncreative when it comes to that role. Like You're a ha- professional administrative assistant for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Or like professional pro- project manager or like project. I'm just a very good delegator. That's what I feel like my job is. Now. It's going to come in handy in September when you become a mother. <sighs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have a name skills? You have a name picked out? We don't, we don't yet. Yeah. The, the top five. Oh no, no! I couldn't even name them. Do you know what you're having? It's a it's a girl. Oh, yeah. that's awesome! I've got a girl. They're the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have two girls. They're the best. I, a it's photographer friend of mine in DC. His name is Moshe Zusman. He goes, "Is it a girl or a pro? Or I'm sorry, is it a boy or a problem?" And I'm like, "It's a problem." <laughs> no, I know my, my nephews girls are, are the best. Yeah. My nephew's yeah. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My girl's sweet. It's been amazing. Yeah, I know it's incredible. I think I'm excited. If I had to raise a little me, that might oof. I think boys break your house, girls break your heart. Is that how the line oh, is? Oh, I like that. That is. <laughs> that, that is. But boys and girls are just completely different. You know, they're, they're, the way they think everything. Girls, like, will look at something and they'll analyze it and they'll study it. And, like, they'll look at this object and they'll go, oh, that's interesting. And a boy will look at it and pick it up and throw it across the room because it wants to see how it spatially <laughs> exists, you know? That's just, cool. That's just boys and girls are totally different. That's awesome. I'm happy having girls. I wouldn't want it any other way. No way. Yeah. Raising me would be hell. I don't know how my mom survived it. Yeah. That's that's my biggest thing that I'm so petrified because I know what I put my parents through. Yeah, <gasps> yeah what, right? It's all karma. <laughs> Legitimately oh, terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, legitimately, yeah, it's terrifying. So <laughs> what's next for you? What are you looking forward to in this year? Um, This year, I'm working as much as I possibly can before going on maternity leave, oh, honestly. Yeah. Like, um, and just keeping that up. So very short sighted. I'm not thinking about any long term plans at the moment, but definitely a good job to have though. I think maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. As a, as a new parent can work from home, work mm-hmm. from anywhere, make your own hours. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of perks to it for sure. You're going to have to make your own hours cause she's about to make. Your yeah, hours. that's oh, true. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just pray for like as quickly as she can to go to sleep at night. Yeah. Oh. We, yeah. we lucked that, out and that... had three months sleeping all night. Two. Two. With Chandler. She was she was great at two. All right. Elena was a little harder. So Scott Kelby and Joel Grimes have both told me that I need to and I've already read the book, so I'm happy about this, but they said this book, baby wise, if you follow it, they will be sleeping at six weeks. I don't know baby wise. I don't know either. Can't I can't give you any input or advice on that one. It I mean the concept sounds fine. I I've never had like I don't really know if I'm gonna be successful in implementing it. But what's like, the con- what's the concept behind it? Like um, 
there can't be any clutches that the baby has to have when falling asleep. They have to learn the act of falling asleep on their own without any, um, without any, did I say clutches? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like purses? Crutches. <laughs> Crutches. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a, like a rocking chair or yeah. like being in mom's arms or anything like that, or like a pacifier or like a sound machine. It's all of those tough things. love. Yeah. yeah. Tough love. That's basically I w- what I will it is. tell you. We never gave our kids a pacifier. Never, never had one. I know so many friends that had a nightmare getting their kid off of the pacifier. We just never started with it. So. And then what happens if you lose it? Yeah, that's, they a, that's, lose that's it. the problem. The kid loses it. So we never even went down that road. So don't do it. Oh, Pacifiers, yeah. are, it's a clutch or a crotch or whatever you want to call it. It's <laughs> <laughs> super cute. Um, yeah, so I was, I, I can't believe two different people have told me about that book. And yeah. it's the one book that I've already read. I've done very little research. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm going to be You'll screwed. So where can people find out about you? Where do you want them to go to check out your work? Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a website, sharkpixel.com. And uh, so you can go on the site and you can see the before and afters. And then I do have a little bit of a store. And some of the things that are on the store are actually free to download. There's a there's a portrait in a pinch action that's that's pretty beneficial that a lot of people like. Um and yeah, there's some free stuff on there. So yeah, there's a lot on the site. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of work there. It's good. Good. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna wrap it up. Nice. Yeah, it's been nice having you. My yeah. pleasure. We appreciate it. Absolutely. We told you it was gonna be random. It was just yeah. gonna go where it was gonna go. I'm, ha- I'm totally happy that it was random because that's all my brain can handle right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck at the rest of the show. And um, if you'd like to download this podcast, if you haven't, go to rggedupodcast.com. And also subscribe on all of the channels, right, Rob? Stitcher. MySpace. iTunes. Google. Google. SoundCloud. You got it. No MySpace. There's no such thing. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's all do a South African bye on three. How do they do it? Uh, Bye. Was that good? Was that a good bye? That was no, great. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what language was that in? All right. One, two, three. Bye. bye. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to meet Kenny Chesney for a drink. Did you know that I keep bees? Like I'm a beekeeper. Seriously, I have a ton of bees. I probably have like... Seven or eight million, I don't, too many bees. I have too many bees.